Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Friday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer G. Hey Wiley. G. how are we doing on this glorious Friday? It is a glorious Friday. Duke won. I'm, ha- I'm happy camper and uh, we got Michael Duarte here. For the first segment, I'm I'm freaking psyched. I couldn't be more pumped. And it's Friday. Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, there's so much to get into. We've bumped the uh, Circus Sports headlines segment. So apologies to uh, Drake. We will not be going into headlines today. We will be getting straight to all the news of today with our good friend, as you mentioned, Michael Duarte from KNBC4 in Los Angeles. Michael, how are you? Rosh, I didn't hear my entrance music, but I am great. I know. I apologize, I know. <laughs> I apologize to Drake for bumping him, you know? Yeah. But you know what? We had way too much to get into. As we were going off the air, Michael, I, I, and I touched on it, I said, I, I think we went from zero to 100 real quick. It went from like, we're, we're going to have another, you know, round of canceled games to, wait, I think they're going to come to an agreement today. And they did. Uh, Michael, just kind of take us through your day yesterday. You're as connected with a lot of these guys than a, a ton of people out there. So while, you know, there's been a lot of sources and what our players thinking and feeling. Uh, just take me through yesterday because I think we begin the day in the morning. Talks have stalled. There's another deadline passed. More games are canceled. And then there was this moment where it's like, wait, I don't think they're that far off. And then we got to a deal. Take me through what your day was like on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Wednesday is what you're touching upon in which the negotiations between the Major League Baseball owners and the Players Association, the Players Union, went deep into the night again. The second time we had seen that happen in about 10 days. Uh, Usually those are good signs that they're moving incrementally closer and closer to a deal. And so, you know, those were good signs. And then all of a sudden, we get a little bit of a stalwart and we get another announcement from Commissioner Rob Manfred that the second week of games has now been canceled. That opening day is going to be pushed to April 15th at the latest. And this is going to continue on. You had uh, guys like Carl Ravitch from, you know, Baseball Tonight saying that there might not be a season at all, which I think had a lot of people freaked out. I I wasn't going to go to that overreaction because I knew how close they were. But after that announcement, I reached out to a player And I just kind of said, man, what's going on? What are your thought process? And and this is what's going to be interesting once we get to the point where they come to an agreement where we're at today and presently. And he was like, a lot of players were just frustrated with Manfred and with baseball in the sense that they were getting closer. So there was no need, he believed, the player that I spoke to, that there was no need, he believed, to cancel another week of games uh, to do this because they were sitting there talking about still playing a full 162-game slate, how that would work, and players getting their full salaries. So again, he rolls his eyes and say, this is just you know, public image by my Manfred to put this on the players, which doesn't help the negotiations. He said, just stop talking, stop talking about canceling games and deadlines and ultimatums and final offers and just sit at the table every day as long as you can until a deal is done. And so with that said, I was like, well, are they going to go back to this tomorrow, which would be Thursday? And he said, I think so. 
And that was a good sign because usually when they kind of get to this point, they take a couple days to breathe and then come back to the table. And that would mean, you know, potentially we're looking at next week. So suddenly on Thursday, when I saw that breaking news text from Jeff Passan after he got his Twitter account <laughs> back right. after being hacked, it was like a flood of blood to the heart, Arash. I got yeah. so excited that this is finally done. And as you mentioned, from that moment Wednesday when they canceled the second week of games and potentially pushed opening day back to, to finally reaching a deal the next morning or next afternoon, you know, that was as quick as it takes to, to flip the cold side of the pillow and make it warm. It just happened so fast, as you mentioned. But ultimately, for, for your audience, for people to, to listen out there, and I'm going to talk about um, my father here for a second, like a layman in this case. He called me when it was done. And he goes, oh, the players caved. The players caved. And if you look at the deal, the players did not cave. I understand how that can appear on the outside, especially with the eight executives on the board for the Players Association all voting against this deal. It was yeah. the player reps from all 32 teams that from 30 teams, excuse me, that got this passed. But when you look at the deal in its entirety, and I don't recommend anybody look at the 133-page <laughs> new CBA. It's boring. But if you do get a chance to look at it and, and find Comet with some, some talking points, the players made uh, a lot of leaps and bounds from where they were the last 20 or so years. I think that's progress for them. There's still progress to be made, of course. But I think the big winners here with some of the things that happened as far as like a 12-team playoff, um, you know, some of the rule changes, a pitch clock, banning shifts, larger bases that will be implemented next year, universal DH, things like that. The draft lottery, uh, which hopefully will stop tanking. A lot of these things are better for the fans and for the product moving forward. So the players, in my opinion, uh, as far as you look at the beginning where the owners stood and where the players stood and then coming together to get this done, I think the players end up, you know, getting more out of this uh, than the owners ended up getting. Uh, I think the owners had to make more concessions. So uh, that's something to look at. And I, from the players I spoke to, they're just excited to be playing again and to be making the kind of in ways and grounds that they made in this negotiations than in previous negotiations. You know, I mean, there, there, there's so many people who base their lives on the schedule when it comes out, the Dodgers, the Angels. What can you tell us? Do we know when opening day is, spring training, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, opening day for the Angels of Anaheim, that's who I like to refer to them to, <laughs> will be on April 7th. Uh, that would have been their first home opener anyways. They would have okay. started the season Originally on opening day on the road, I believe, in Oakland. So now they will be at home on April 7th, I believe, hosting the Houston Astros. So that is their opening day. Okay. The Dodgers originally on March 31st were supposed to have opening day at Dodger Stadium. I believe they will now open on April 8th in Colorado. So okay. opening day for the Dodgers will now be on the road in Colorado uh, with their first home game coming the following week. Uh, April 14th, I believe, will be the Dodgers' first home game. Uh, and then April 15th, obviously, the next day being Jackie Robinson Day, uh, which will be at Dodger Stadium. So that's exciting that's for fans who love that day. Um, and then is it going to be a truncated spring training? And then also, and I know I'm peppering you with all these questions, um, how do they get a 162 game in? I mean, uh, how does that look? Uh, you know, do, do, do they play games on off days? Will there be two games in one day? How will they get a full slate of full slate in? Yeah, that's a great question, how it works. So, yes, the answer to your question, first of all, they're going to truncate spring training. So it goes from almost six weeks, as it's been in the past. It's going to be shrunk down to about three, three and a half weeks tops. Uh, mandatory. I, I already saw players are reporting to Dodgers camp today. Uh, there are players that oh, are wow. there here Friday as we're recording this 
show that are arriving. Um, they said camp will open Saturday. We have our first media availability later today, Friday, with uh, oh, wow. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts. But the official day for all 32 teams to report for all players, that's pitchers, catchers, position players, everybody, is Sunday the 13th with, I think, first camps and, and uh, you know, stretching, training, actually working out and stuff like that starting on Monday for them. So that's when that will happen for them. Uh, and yes, they will play the full 162-game schedule. How they're going to do this, to your point, they're going to add a three-game series at the back end of the schedule. I so that see. means they're going to have to kind of rush through the playoffs. And then in the remaining games, because that's only three, we still got to find a way to make up around nine more. They're going to be playing some doubleheaders along the way. They're going to find mutual days off when they didn't have days off before. Um, they're going to do some things with the schedule. So maybe you don't see the same schedules you would have seen before. Maybe make it easier by playing some division teams instead of doing the international, like the Dodgers, for example, were, were supposed to be playing the Minnesota twins. I believe that actually will stay on schedule. Uh, cause that was part of that second series they missed that will now be back in play, but there are some teams that would have had to travel pretty far that they'll now miss those games, uh, and make it a little easier by playing division opponents. So that's how it'll work. And that's how they'll end up playing a full 162 with, this new expanded postseason with 12 teams, which I think is interesting. I like there's no ghost wins that was being talked about yeah. with 14 teams. It doesn't desaturate the product with 14 teams. Um, I think you'll see less buyers, sorry, the more buyers, less sellers at the trade deadline, which I think is good for teams that like to kind of give up at the deadline and um, the division winners. So teams like the Dodgers have been winning 106 games, you know, two of the last three seasons, they would get a buy under these situations. And so oh. that's good too. Uh, in the first round on the new playoff format. Um, a lot of questions on the roster, uh, Michael. Um, I guess I'll just give you a, a few names and you tell me what you think. Freddie Freeman, is is he a possibility? Clayton Kershaw, will he come back? Uh, what are you hearing about how this team will look? Yeah, Dodgers fans, tune up your, your ears <laughs> and your headsets for this part because this is the important part that people want to know. So... One of the major things that happened in this CB, this new CBA agreement was the luxury tax threshold, the CBT as they call it, the competitive balance tax, increasing. This was a huge win for the players. Now, originally they wanted it at $238 million for the 2022 season. The owners didn't want it changed. They wanted it to be at 220 tops. It was originally at 210 I believe, going into it. So now it went from 210 to 230 so as I was talking about both sides, you see the owners had to come up $20 million, whereas the players only went down about $8 million from where their ask was. So like, if you're talking about great traction and gains, then the gains were made more by the players in that case for the owners coming closer to their number than vice versa. So that helps the Dodgers a little bit because, as we know, this team has a very high payroll. They're one of only two teams, them and the Yankees, who have actually ever been over $250 million in a CBT before, which is one of those new thresholds. So... I was looking at the payroll before we, we came on this show. I believe the Dodgers are right around 230, right around that number already. So when we talk about, could they, you know, Dodgers fans have their eyes open like a, a kid on Christmas, right? They want everything. <laughs> they want to open all the presents. Freddie Freeman, Kenley Jansen, Joe Kelly, uh, Clayton Kershaw returning. I don't see how they can sign all four of those guys and remain, you know, under the luxury tax for sure, but even get to the point where what you really want to avoid is this new fourth tier that was added in the CBT and the CBA agreement, which is being called the Steve Cohen tax, which means if you're <laughs> 60 million over, so in this case, yeah. 290 million, your tax penalty is 
80%. Wow. So the Mets are right there. So if the Mets sign any more, they likely go over that. And that's a huge tax penalty, 80%. That's insane. So the Dodgers don't want to get there. So that leaves them a little bit limited on what they can do. I don't see how they, they can sign all four, like I said. Um, before the lockout began, my sources told me that Freddie Freeman was choosing between the Dodgers and the Braves. Um, most people and my personal, this is not based on sources, just based on a personal feel, is that he probably works this out with the Braves and returns to Atlanta. His wife wants to stay in the Atlanta area, wants to stay with the Braves. Freddie, Freddie Freeman's parents, who are from Southern California, would love to have their son and their grandson be closer to home. Uh, Freddie Freeman actually grew up you know, in Orange County and grew up an Angels fan, ironically. Yeah. So it's not like the Dodgers are his techni technically hometown team. He probably would live in Orange County, but obviously it's a lot closer drive if he were to get to the stadium. So you have this fam family pull with Freddie Freeman where his parents would like him to come back to Southern California and his wife would like to stay in Atlanta. Uh, the Yankees, I'm being told, are really pushing for a left-handed bat with their heavy right-handed lineup. And they are ready to offer him whatever he would like, a massive six-year contract to get him to come to the Bronx. I was told that's unlikely because Freddie's choosing between the Braves and the Dodgers, but the latest odds in Las Vegas have the Yankees as the favorites. Wow. Now sign Freddie Freeman. Okay. Which you've been believing those kind of things is very interesting. That also could just be because lots of the money is coming on the Yankees to do it, but the Braves are the second and the Dodgers are the third there. So um, my gut tells me he'll probably stay with the Braves. They'll find a way to keep him, especially after winning the World Series and the extra $100 million they made by winning the World Series and profits. But um, the Dodgers are still in the conversation. They'd like to move quickly on this so they can fill other holes in their, their roster if that gets done. But that should answer your question in a long-winded way. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's perfect. And according to Las Vegas, according to Circus Sports, the Dodgers, as this is not, not a surprise because they are the favorites it's every year. It seems like the Dodgers, according to Circus Sports, are the uh, favorites to win the World Series. Speaking of winning it all, winning the uh, championship, the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champions. They're trying to piece together what this team will look like going into next season. Any kind of insight? I mean, there's a lot happening in the National Football League, Michael. As you know, you got Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. You got Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. You got all this stuff happening. What are you hearing about the Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, I know it's interesting what you just mentioned, Arash, is that the NFL is turning into a, a little small version of uh, the NBA as far as yeah. free agency <laughs> is concerned. It's like yeah. all of a sudden we are seeing uh, big names like Russell Wilson go different places, all these former uh, pro bowlers now trading places. The, the Carson Wentz trade has attention. Uh, you know, Bobby Wagner's gone. Khalil yeah. Mack uh, well, is a Chargers, right? goes to the Chargers, which is making that defense alongside Joey Bosa huge. But yes, to your to your question, I have heard some interesting things uh, just in the last couple of days about the Rams free agency. Obviously, if you saw some of my tweets, uh, they are working on extensions. For Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford, those are two things that are huge, high priorities for them. Mm -hmm. And they need to figure out how to pay them in the long run, but somehow lower their hit on yeah. the salary cap for the 2022-23 season, I guess you'd say, but later this year, 2022 season, in order yeah. to sign some free agents that are out there and then their own players. Based on their priority list, they want to bring back Von Miller. And I'm being told Aaron Donald, on his new contract, wants to know if Von Miller will still be there or not. 
Now, if you look at Von Miller on his Twitter account, he's hinting that he'd like to return to the mile high and play with the Broncos, including putting a picture of him and Russell Wilson on his Twitter account. I don't know if he's just trolling Denver fans or if this is something he really would like to do and come home. I know his son uh, lives in that area and he would love to see him. I know that's one of the things that Aaron Donald was talking about in this new uh, uh, Sports Illustrated piece he did about why he was contemplating retirement because he wants to be closer to his family, which lives in Pittsburgh and his two kids from a previous marriage that are in Pittsburgh. So that, that's it. Odell Beckham Jr. is also on the priority list for the for the Rams to resign. Uh, reports are they might be able to get that done because with the torn ACL uh, and being out for half of next season, they can probably yeah. figure out something where it can be a one-year deal or a multi-year deal with incentives based in based on performance and how many games he plays and things like this. But moreover, what Rams fans probably want to know is like, what free agents out there could they be interested in if they miss on these guys yeah. and their own internal free agents? So I'm told they want to bring back Brian Allen. He's the center. He has a good rapport with Matthew Stafford. Kicker Matt Gay is a restricted free agent. He was a pro bowler this year. I'm told they'd like to bring him back, as well as Brandon Powell, who's a free agent. They're a return specialist. But for some fans, this might be hurt. I'm hearing they're likely to let Sebastian Joseph Day, a defensive tackle who's played well alongside Aaron Donald, I think they're going to let him walk. I think they're going to let cornerback Darius Williams probably walk which makes them very thin at that position. You know, they traded for Austin Corbett a few years ago. I think they're going to let him walk. Uh, and then you got guys like Joe Noteboom, who yeah. if Andrew Whitworth retires, you would think would be the left tackle incumbent, but he's a free agent. He might end up being somebody who leaves unless they can figure out a deal with him. Uh, now, if they do miss on Von Miller, if Von Miller goes to, uh, there was rumors he'd go to the Chargers, but with the Khalil Mack move, I doubt that happens. But if he does yeah. go to a team like the Broncos, I hear the Rams would be interested in bringing Bobby Wagner, who was just released by the Seahawks, in on the Rams. That's a guy that Les Snead really wanted to draft. Uh, I'm trying to remember back in 2012, I believe, and he missed on him. So now he has a chance to bring him in really cheap, especially if he can miss on Von Miller. And that's kind of the updates on the Rams side for you. Yeah, and by the way, kudos to the uh, Chargers for making a move out there. I mean, that is a very non-Tom Telesco move to be trading a uh, you know a couple of draft picks for a you know, he's not old, but thirty-one-year-old Khalil Mack. Uh, last uh, couple minutes here with you, Michael. It is March Madness tonight. We have USC UCLA in the semifinals of the Pac-12 tournament. Um, UCLA is a six-point favorite at Circa Sports. Thoughts on this game? Uh, you know, USC had a heck of a run against UCLA recently, then just lost the most previous game um, at Poly Pavilion. Thoughts on this game? And again, the winner of this game will likely play U of A in the championship of the Pac-12 tournament on Saturday. Yeah, the, every good show needs a trilogy, right, Arash? Yeah, exactly. So, so the third meeting between these two rivals is going on right now. Yeah. Uh, USC. USC won the first one at home. UCLA won the second one at Poly. So this is the third one on a neutral court to really decide this thing. Now, honestly, uh, they've already cemented their position in the NCAA tournament. None of them are fighting either USC or UCLA for a spot or for a play-in, right? These Both these teams will be in there and they'll be pretty high seeds, like top five yeah. or six seeds, in yeah. my opinion. So uh, if it, you know, I, I like this matchup for both. USC tends to play a close, a good defensive team. They kind of keep the score close all the time. They even did it in that UCLA game until UCLA pulled away late. So it just depends. Like they hit some shots, uh, you know, so uh, I think that, um, 
I think UCLA probably pulls this out, even though you and I are Trojans. But yes, I, think right. could, I think it end up could be in a blessing in disguise because USC can't play with Arizona seemingly. So if they were to win and Arizona beats Colorado, they would meet them in the Pac-12 championship, get the brakes beat off them for a third time potentially, <laughs> you know, and then be going into a tournament a couple of days later. If if they do end up losing to UCLA, which could happen, that allows them to rest, not worry about Arizona, see where their seating's going to be, and get ready for the big dance because that's all that matters. And trying to get to another Elite Eight or even further this time, which we would obviously love to see. Yeah, I mean, I was at the Galen Center for that U of A game, and I was so happy to see it sold out. And then, as you mentioned, they got the breaks. I mean, 26-point lead in the first half. They lose by 20. So, yeah, maybe it'll be a blessing. I still want to beat UCLA, right, Michael? Of course. But I'd rather I, beat them in the tournament when it really exactly, counts, you know, than, you know, in the semifinals of the Pac-12. But, I yeah. agree. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for uh, this uh, segment. We will be joined by Jeff Benson at Circus Sports coming up right after this. You right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. All right, welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you have any questions or comments or want to win tickets to a future Kings or Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. It is March Madness. It is our favorite time of the year on the show. And I uh, want to welcome uh, someone that uh, we are very excited to have, Jeffrey Benson, Sportsbook Operation Manager at Circa Sports. Jeff, how are you doing, my friend? Good. Thanks for having me on. Certainly uh, looking forward to talking all things March Madness. And, uh, you know, for us, obviously, you know, a lot of people talk about this week certainly as being, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, even busier uh, than next week, just given the amount of uh, conference tournaments that we have. Certainly, obviously, having you know uh, a few of those conference tournaments here in Vegas um, and having the, the fans come out uh, certainly helps the uh, the handle and the desk uh, that we're seeing come across the counter. But uh, you know, yesterday was the first day in a while where uh, you know the energy and excitement. You know, you could really feel that in the book. And it certainly had that feel of an NFL Sunday. So certainly looking forward to uh, Friday, Saturday, uh, and then Sunday as we lead up to, uh, you know, Selection Sunday and the release of the brackets. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, as we turn the page for next week, kind of work our way into the playing games. Um, and then obviously the excitement of Thursday, Friday, um, and then round two uh, in Saturday, Sunday. So fantastic, fantastic, um, you know, weekend coming up for us and, uh, you know, hopefully a, a bonkers March Madness, uh, you know, across the board. Jeff, what is, you know, because I think people, when they think of Vegas and they think of March Madness, they always think of that first, uh, you know, week of the tournament, the first round, the second round kind of gets going Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, but also, like, as you well know, uh, this week in particular, all the big conference tournaments, you talk about Gonzaga, they won their uh, tournament, USC, UCLA playing tonight, U of A will probably be in the finals of the Pac-12 tournament, all those in like the live tournaments that are going on 
like in Vegas, what is that like atmosphere like? Because I'm sure you're getting a ton of fans who are there to watch their teams like in person. Uh, what's the atmosphere like this particular week? Some some people argue that this is uh, you know an even better week uh, than the opening week of the tournament. Um, obviously, the uh, sheer number of games obviously is going to outweigh uh, what you'll see next week. Um, and you know when you look at a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. Um, obviously that's when you're going to have the bulk of the games. Uh, but obviously as you kind of work your way through the tournament and you gear yourself towards the weekend, you know, that's when you're really going to see, uh, you know, the preeminent matchups, presuming that the top seeds advance. So, you know, for us, uh, obviously we were very, very excited about this week. Like I said, having those tournaments, uh, here in town certainly helps, uh, from a tourism perspective, uh, certainly getting these fans in, uh, you know, whether it's college fraternities, uh, or, or, you know, college buddies who come out uh, and fruit for their teams. It just makes it for a phenomenal experience uh, here in town. Uh, and like I said, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of people who have told me, that, you know, they prefer coming out for conference tournament weekend uh, just because there's a lot of great betting opportunities. Uh, but like I said, you know, we're, we're very excited, obviously, for this weekend. Uh, and then obviously we're sold out. Um, at all of our venues, whether it's Stadium Swim or here in the Sportsbook, uh, next week on Thursday and Friday. So, like I said, you know, I'm expecting record handles for March Madness, particularly as we kind of work our way out of the pandemic. Obviously, the mass restrictions have been lifted. So, like I said, from our perspective, business is good and, uh, you know, certainly excited to see maybe our first normal um, March Madness and conference tournament week here at Surface Sports. Obviously, you know, when you kind of rewind the calendar, um, you know, two years ago, obviously, this was when, you know, everything got shut down yeah. um, and we were kind of deprived of our March Madness. So certainly excited to kind of go through uh, maybe what we would, uh, you know, quantify or classify uh, as our first normal March Madness. Um, but like I said, a lot of excitement in the air um, and, uh, you know, the energy and atmosphere is, uh, you know, fantastic. Uh, and that, you know, really started uh, in full bloom yesterday. Jeff, you've been a part of Circus since day one when you guys launched. And again, you know, the Circus Sportsbook, uh, Stadium Swim. You know, for people coming out to Vegas, and I've talked about this on the show, I mean, they have to go to downtown just to see it for themselves. I mean, there's a lot of casinos on the Strip that try to have, like, makeshift, like, like activations uh, for March Madness. You know, Circa, you know, was re really built around the you know, sports book. I mean, some places have a sports book in the corner of the casino. Um, and I've often told my friends, I mean, if you're going there, make sure you get a view of the television screens at Stadium Swim because those nine o'clock in the morning games, if you've had a long night the night before, just open up your curtain and you got all the games there. Um, give people a sense because, like you mentioned, um, you know, March Madness was canceled two years ago. You guys, quite frankly, did such an amazing job a year ago. We, we were still in the midst of, of the pandemic, but it kind of felt normal. This is really the first one. Again, no masks. Things are finally back to normal. Jeff, give people a sense of what Circa will, will be like. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a billion-dollar casino. Uh, you know, it's, it's a strip-type level casino. Uh, in downtown Las Vegas and, you know, Derek Stevens, who's our CEO and owner, you know, he's really doing his part to gentrify downtown and, you know, a, a rising tide kind of, you know, li li lifts everybody. So, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, Circa Las Vegas is the, uh, the first new uh, resort and casino uh, in downtown Las Vegas in 40 years. Um, and to your point, 
you know, we, uh, we built a sports book so big that we had to build a casino around it. So, <laughs> uh, obviously for, you know, for this weekend and, and sports viewing fans, um, you know, there's no better place to come out and watch your team participate in the, the conference tournaments, uh, or certainly root your team on, uh, in March madness. Uh, and you can do so in two of the world's best venues, uh, you know, for sports viewing and sports betting. And, you know, that would be the world's largest three-story sports book. And then uh, subsequently, that would be the world's largest pool amphitheater up at Stadium Swim. And, uh, you know, to your point, uh, up at Stadium Swim, they have a 143-foot screen. Uh, you know, you're able to see it, uh, you know, from your bedroom or one of the six pools. Um, like I said, it's an attraction-based hotel and, you know, all credit to Derek Stevens for his vision. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who loves sports to no end. And, uh, you know, he certainly built, uh, you know, what we would like to believe is two of the best uh, places in the entire world to watch sports. So certainly looking forward to, uh, you know, welcoming um, everybody this week and next week. Um, and certainly looking forward to having them play sets with us and, uh, you know, uh, kind of sweat them along with us. So, Certainly excited uh, for what we believe uh, is going to be a fantastic March. Uh, and then obviously as we lead into April with the final four uh, and the championship game. But uh, yeah, from our perspective, uh, business is booming and, uh, you know, knock on wood, things, uh, things go as well as we hope. You know, and, and the other thing that I love about Circa, uh, uh, Jeff, is that you are on social, Matt on social, Mike Palm, Derek, Derek, uh, you know, Banksy's on social, Wilbo. Like, it, it feels like when you go to Circa, and maybe because this is part of the decent network, you get to see people. Because I, I think that there's a lot of companies in the space right now, whether it's Caesars, whether it's MGM, and it's like you don't feel a personal connection. Um, can you also just touch on, like, if someone goes to Circa and they've seen you on VSIN or they've heard you on this show, I mean, um, you're, it, it, it seems like it's more of a connection. You guys are welcome to talking to people, whether they're from Los Angeles. The, there, is, there seems to be more of a personal connection there. Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, we really try to build our, our, our brand on our customer service. And, you know, I think there's a lot of businesses, whether it's in the sports betting industry or just anything, um, that really are kind of nameless and faceless in terms of, you know, the people who work for that corporation. And, you know, obviously, you know, Derek, um, you know, he kind of leads everything. Um, and as somebody who spends a tremendous amount of time in the sports book and at the bars um, and mingling with his customers, um, you know, I think that really trickles down uh, to the rest of the executives and then obviously our management team as well. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, when patrons come in, they have access to our executives, they have access to our management. Um, and I think being able to make that personal connection with people, you know, whether that's answering phone calls, uh, you know, replying to, to tweets and DMs and emails and text messages, um, you know, for us as we try to grow our business, um, you know, I think that level of customer, that elevated level of customer service, um, and really trying to treat people, um, as guests and not customers and really trying to, you know, treat them as a name and not a number, um, you know, for us, um, you know, you know, that's really kind of where we put our emphasis, um, because we strongly believe it helps us grow our business. And obviously we, we don't have the you know, the marketing budget of some of these other behemoths and things like that. So we're certainly trying to do a little, you know, a few things differently uh, when it comes to, um, you know, things that resonate with our customers. And uh, like you said, obviously for us, 
Um, you know, that, uh, you know, certainly centers on a personal connection, um, and a touch that, you know, maybe some other companies uh, certainly don't approach the space with. Uh, Jeff, focusing on uh, the court now in March Madness, you guys have had in Vegas two of the teams that I think will be in, uh, you know, obviously the favorite Gonzaga. They, they won their conference tournament in Vegas. U of A, the prohi- pro- prohibitive favorite to win their conference tournament uh, perhaps uh, tomorrow. Your thoughts on these two teams? I think the last time we talked, you said Gonzaga is the favorite. Touch on the favorites right now. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh like you mentioned, Gonzaga cut down uh, the Nets in the WCC uh, tournament this week. Um, they'll go in uh, prohibitively as the number one uh, favorite, uh, and the team that will be favored to cut down the Nets. Uh, the current odds we have here at Circus Sports um, are plus three forty on Gonzaga, uh, and then when you work your way down to Arizona, um, you know they're right up there, um, also in the conversation for a one seed, depending upon what happens in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, but certainly going to be in the uh, discussion, like you mentioned, um, as kind of, you know, maybe uh, the second best team behind Gonzaga. You got Matt Metcalf, uh, who's our sort of sports uh, director. You know, I think right now, he would probably have Gonzaga, you know, maybe three, three and a half points um, better than anyone in the field on a neutral uh, when you look at Arizona's odds relative to Gonzaga, uh, Arizona's plus 750. Um, obviously, they had a little bit of a scare last night with uh, one of their point guards, Kirk Parisa. He went down, uh, and it uh, looks like he has a sprained ankle. So it uh, looks like he'll be out for a little bit of time, probably not going to play in the rest of the Pac-12 uh, tournament. looks like they'll get him ready for uh, March Madness. Um, and then hopefully being able to play in the opening round uh, of the tournament next weekend. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, I would say them, you know, Baylor, Kansas, Kentucky, uh, you know, Purdue, those are going to be some of the teams um, that are going to be fighting for those one and two seeds behind Gonzaga um, and would look to kind of slot in um, as the next uh, best choices uh, for teams to cut down the nets here in March. I think everyone in Los Angeles will be uh, tuned into that USC UCLA game, which is going to be happening tonight. Uh, Eight thirty tip at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. It's good basketball, Jeff. You know, because in Los Angeles we don't have great basketball. We have the Lakers, we have the Clippers. Clippers a little bit understandable. No Kawhi, no Paul George. I don't think we'll see those two guys back. This has been a wide open season in the NBA. Your thoughts, you know, because I think there's a lot of people who think. Well, like I'm a Lakers fan. That's why I picked the Lakers. I mean, according to GMs, according to the sports books at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, the, the Lakers were supposed to be a good team. Well, what has been your thoughts generally this season? Again, we, we begin the season with the Nets and the Lakers. Th- things have not gone their way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I think when you look at the Lakers, um, you know, I think you can start with the Westbrook trade. Um, you know, there was a lot of comments on that as to whether that would work, whether that wouldn't work. Uh, you know, they certainly sacrificed, you know, a lot of really good role players. You know, when you look at guys like Octavius Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, and I think when you look at what Westbrook brought to that team, obviously he's struggled this year. Uh, I would be very surprised uh, to see him back next year. Uh, but it certainly doesn't feel like that fit has worked uh, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, and then when you shift over to Anthony Davis, um, you know he's a 
perennial superstar, one of the best five players in the league when healthy. Um, but for him, you know, he's really struggled to remain healthy. And obviously, he's been out here for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, the Lakers have kind of floundered and really, really struggled. And obviously, uh, you know, with Anthony Davis not on the court, I think if you were to take LeBron James off of this team, um, you know, when you look at, you know, Austin Reeves um, and, and Kalen Horton Tucker and some of, you know, DeAndre Jordan, who's not even on the team anymore, you yeah. know, I think they would probably have a collection of pieces that would arguably be in the bottom five of the league. Um, if it weren't for LeBron and Anthony Davis, uh, obviously LeBron James has played incredible this year. Um, and it looks like there's a good chance that they'll probably be in, um, you know, the, the play in tournament. Uh, but this is a team that's really, really struggled. Obviously, we, you know, LeBron James had a fantastic performance versus the Warriors there. Um, and then obviously took a little bit of a step back with some of the knee soreness and not being able to play. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, ultimately if the Lakers are able to get back Anthony Davis. Um, and, you know, come into the playoffs a little bit healthier and see if they can kind of gel and go on a run. But, uh, you know, certainly at this point, if you're looking at the odds, you know, the Lakers to win the championship, you know, that number's 46 to 1. Yeah. Obviously, if you don't factor in LeBron James and, you know, Anthony Davis uh, and what their actual record is, that number would certainly be longer, uh, you know, than what it would, would normally be otherwise. Uh, but obviously, you know, to your point, um, you know, they're a very public team. Uh, there's a, you know, a certain fandom that surrounds them. Um, and obviously, when you have that fandom, you're certainly going to continue to get those deaths uh, throughout the course of the season from, uh, you know, people who certainly continue to believe in them. Uh, and then obviously, when you look at the Clippers, the other team in L.A., you know, this is a team that I think when we talked a couple weeks ago, you know, their odds were probably double what the Lakers yeah. were in the NBA championship. And that's certainly shortened now. Um, the Clippers are 55 to one to win the championship. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, rumors um, and, and kind of things circling as to, you know, their three star players who they have out. Um, obviously it looks like Norman Powell with a foot fracture uh, will be back at some point. Uh, as we lead into the end of the regular season um, and, and turn the page uh, as we enter the playoffs. And then, obviously, uh, you know, the big question marks around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, there's talk of Paul George possibly coming back. Uh, I would say it's less uh, so of a probability when you talk about Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, when you look at the rumor mill and see things on Twitter uh, about these guys going through shoot-arounds, um, and rehab um, and the talk of uh, a potential return, you know, that's certainly going to spark some interest, um, you know, from Clipper fans um, and from betters uh, alike um, in the futures market, um, you know, with the possibility of those guys returning. Joined by Jeffrey Benson, uh, Benson Sportsbook Operations Manager at Circa here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio on the Fan in Las Vegas. Jeff, last uh, question. Uh, a general one, I was talking to producer G. Hey Wiley, so many crazy moves in the National Football League. You got Russell Wilson going to Denver, Aaron Rodgers coming back, Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. How does that change things for you guys? I mean, as soon as you get word that, that a big move is happening, I mean, how quickly do you guys have to change the, 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 the odds? Yeah, I mean, obviously, in uh, you know, in the information age that we're, we're in, whether that's you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, when this stuff breaks, obviously betters are going to see that. And, 
you know, they're going to try to use that information to, to get down as quickly as possible. So something we certainly have to be on top of, you know, obviously when you look at some of these news stories um, and players returning and trades and things like that, you know, you have to factor in backups and, you know, what, what, these guys are worth to the spread and, you know, ultimately kind of factor that into what that looks like from a probability standpoint in terms of, you know, winning the division, winning the Super Bowl, winning the conference, et cetera. So when you look at Aaron Rodgers, um, obviously, you know, we had the Packers number a little bit higher just because of the uncertainty of him being traded uh, versus coming back. Ultimately, once he announced that he was going to re-sign with the Packers, uh, we went from plus 1150 to seven to one. Okay. Uh, so they're, yeah, so cer- they're certainly the prohibitive favorite here in the NFC. Uh, obviously, that also has a little bit to do with Brady retiring and, you know, kind of where a lot of the other teams fall. You know, when you look at Carson Wentz, uh, you know, going to the commanders, you know, that's kind of a, a, a net wash, uh, something yeah. that uh, is going to, it may lower the odds slightly, um, but, you know, when you factor in, you know, his performance, um, and you compare that to, you know, what uh, Taylor Hinkie did last year, I, I would say it's not necessarily a huge upgrade for that team. So, so for us, uh, that wasn't as big of a mover. Um, and then obviously when you look at the Russell Wilson trade, um, obviously looks like Seattle's entering the rebuilding mode. They go from 40 to one to win the Super Bowl to 125 to one to win the Super Bowl. And that could certainly continue to lengthen, uh, obviously with a loss of Bobby Wagner. And then obviously, uh, you know, potentially what they do with some of their other pieces. Uh, and then when you look at Denver, 20 to one on them, uh, and we've dropped their odds to 15 to one, you know, for us, it's kind of just a little bit of a feel, um, you know, seeing where these free agency moves play out. Um, and then ultimately kind of, you know, stacking up the probabilities, um, and, and, and kind of figuring out, um, the number that we want to be on these teams, um, and where we want to take that. So, that's kind of our process, um, but you know, certainly uh, the free agency moves are something we got to keep our our eyes on. Um, you know, just like the betters are doing, um, so that we uh, you know don't take bets at numbers we don't want. Awesome, Jeff. Thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing you in person next week in Las Vegas. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe, and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.